right as that band broke up, I met my wife who is from Tanzania, East Africa. She was here in Seattle visiting a friend and um, we ended up like she was just visiting and we ended up talking for a long time. That's a whole nother side story that's pretty deep. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Hope you guys are having an amazing week. We have a good friend of mine and fellow brother from the Fit for Service Mastermind. His name is Chad, Red Light of Dawn. Pretty interesting story about how he got his name. And the guy is just an amazing human being. We get into some really deep conversation here and some sensitive stuff about what's going on in the world. And this was recorded a few weeks ago, so we're just releasing it now, but it's still very relevant. And I'm really excited for you guys to have this episode in your lives and to be able to learn and get value from it. So highly recommend listening to this right till the end. And if you got any value from it, please leave us a review on Apple and subscribe to the podcast. Episodes come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I don't want you guys to miss out. So you guys enjoy the episode, Chad, Red Light of Dawn coming right up. And here we are. Chad, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> That's great sound, by the way. I love that. Thank you, sir. Recording <laughs> studio, you know? Yeah, Coming awesome. Live. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love playing around on there. Dude, I'm uh, so happy to have you on and be able to connect with you finally on here. It's an honor to be here, brother. Yeah, brother. Yeah, man. Lots of, uh, well, let's just say it's been a quiet 2020. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Started out with a little quiet, like kind of boring ass trip in Tulum. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, man. I um I wanted to, you know, kind of kick this thing off a little bit with this question that I think I'm gonna use now for the next few episodes for the next few months. And because I feel like it's a good place to start. And here it is. If you could give yourself Say, let's go back to January 1st, 2020. If you could give yourself one piece of advice from the person now on January 1st, 2020, what would you say? <laughs> Let me sit up a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> get straight, get my chakras aligned. I think I would, um, actually, I don't think, I know I've pondered this actually, and you put it into a great question form. I would tell myself to remember to be connected to the animal that I am because I was actually really shocked that I didn't see all this shit coming. Like I consider myself to be pretty tapped in, pretty in tune and like all this shit just caught me off guard completely. And when you look in hindsight and you look at the world, you could see it coming. It was very apparent. It wasn't a surprise. And uh, so, yeah, just being more in touch with um, my feelings and, and my, my, my connection and my vibrational frequency and connection to the earth. And I feel like I thought I was, but I fucking wasn't. Let's dive into that. How, 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 in specific, how, how would you, how are you, how are you not? 
I mean, I think we can, this is a really good place to start, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of us kind of hit 2020 in a way that, I don't know, I had crazy expectations for the year. I didn't expect any of this to happen, obviously. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, what a way to open up our awareness, you know, to like what we actually are and what's going on. So yeah, man, get, open that up a little bit. Dive into that a little bit more specifically. Okay. I think a big one is being super distracted by life, by all the things that we humans consider to be important in our little microcosm of self. And COVID has really put the halt on all of that, on mm. how unimportant so many things are. And if I can even dive a little deeper in how COVID has led us into this world of dealing with this systemic issue of inequality and oppression and racism around black people and people of color, that could not have been set up better than the way COVID set it up. Cause COVID has allowed that the space and the energy and the time and the focus that it really uh, is uh, in need of to have the focus that it's getting right now. And that would not have happened without COVID. And I think I can go and track so many things in self that have come out of COVID on a positive level of going back to my answer to that question, which was being distracted, not in touch. Um, that's been the biggest personal gift I feel like to humanity from COVID is getting in touch. Like the slowing down of everything you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the slowing down has created the bandwidth in people to be able to see other things other than all the distractions, whether it be external distractions like um, sports or going out and getting dinner and drinks, which I miss doing. That is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's just a lot of distractions, right, that have really distracted people from really sitting with self and looking at what's really important yeah and like the issues going on in the world and and it's so easy to kind of like turn a blind eye just get yeah. distracted with our our busy lives yes, yes. right like it, being busy is such a way to just it's i don't think people do it intentionally but it definitely keeps you from having to think about shit <laughs> yeah for sure for sure. I know like my first couple of weeks of COVID, I was a big hunk of shit. You know, I, I like fell off all my routine. I was like staying up really late, getting up late, watching a lot of movies, you know, drinking, doing all kinds of things. And then like after probably two, maybe three weeks of living like that, I realized how much my routines are important in my life in order to feel good and feel connected and and to just get things done, you know? I, I, I agree. You know, it's, yeah, I think everybody kind of got the medicine that they needed in a way. Yeah. You know, for, for, for me, like I just kept doing things kind of the same, you know, I just kept with, up with the, the recordings and, and, you know, trying to grow the business and stuff. I didn't, it didn't really like, Obviously, like not being able to go and do the things like go to the gym kind of made it harder to get in the right mindset all the time. But yeah, I feel like I did so much of that before, so much slacking that I almost felt like 
I needed to step up during this time, which was really, it wasn't like my time to sit back. I felt like, I felt like I had done that before. So it's funny how certain things affected people differently. And I think some people needed that time to sort of take a break and, you know, do whatever you need to do to realize that you need a routine, you know? Yeah. Like it's super important that we, I, and, and when you slow it all down and you take away the comforts that we, we gravitate towards, you know, the coffee or going to get the, going to the bakery or going to get the sugar or going to get the alcohol and going to get, well, that was still open, but you know, the bars, doing all the things that are part of your everyday routine to kind of numb out from having to do, think about the present moment, you know? Yeah, brother. And that's kind of like, wow, it really shone the light on a lot of people yeah. onto like what, what their actual habits are, <laughs> you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. It did for me big time. Yeah, man. And I did, and you were part of this as well, like our Montastic May and, you know, just doing different things in this time to become a better person. Mm-hmm. And I definitely um, have been on both polarities. Like I, like mentioning in the beginning, was doing a lot of things that weren't good for me, but then that turned into like doing amazing things for the self and, you know, mm. kicking different habits, reevaluating my routines yeah. and my rituals and what fits and also getting more organic with them and realizing that if I set a set of rituals and if I follow the same things every day, that's also unhealthy. Like mm, creating yeah. the space for organic flow in life. If a mm. day doesn't, uh, if, the, if it's not in the flow on a particular day, like this morning, my son and I get up every day and we do like a set of morning rituals and he had a sleepover last night. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't do him today. Uh, and I felt good about it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna take today off, you know? And yeah. I'm not going to bother him and interrupt his sleepover to do morning rituals, you know? That's a great point because I think it can almost do the opposite. If you don't do it, then you can almost feel bad. So it's almost like, it's all right. You know, the acceptance of you're not perfect. We're not perfect. And as long as the majority of the time you're making the effort to do it, you know, big deal. It doesn't happen. It doesn't flow. But I know personally, I had this thing a while back where you know, I do the gratitude, do meditation. And when I first started in the personal growth world, I'd get really down on myself if I didn't do it. And then yeah. it would, and then that's the complete opposite of the feeling that I want to have. <laughs> like, you know, you want to create that abundance feeling that, that high vibrational frequency, which comes from, you know, meditation and gratitude. And, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about that. But then if you're feeling guilty about not doing something, what, what's the point of even like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. just accepting like, oh, well, it didn't there's happen. No, there's no long game in there. Yeah. You know, it's all about the long game and like having the long vision. And also I think that that type of thinking that beating the self up for like missing our rituals one day or missing the gym or eating some shitty food or having that beer that you didn't really want to have or whatever it be. Um, I think a lot of that comes from our uh, systemic conditioning mm-hmm. in America or even just to what, not even America, but the Western world yeah. of go, 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 do, do, do. And therefore, if we're creating a plan and we miss 
a day within our plan, then we feel like we failed. And that's why I don't like the word goals, because I feel like the first word I attach to goal is failure. You know, I, I would rather say intentions than goals because goals are like, I set up these goals. And then if I don't fulfill these things I created in my mind, then I feel like a failure. And that's not good, you know, because I tend to like, I'll overpack my life with awesomeness. You know, I'll yeah. set too high of goals and then therefore I'll end up feeling like a failure if I didn't reach that bar. And maybe that bar was just unrealistic, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting point, you know, because I'm glad you brought that up because that, you know, I have a, I've been really diving into that as well. And here's my take. I, I think having, having the, the big macro perspective, the big goal of where you want to be, I think is important, but letting that go and just accepting how it happens. And if I think just having like a place, like using it as, all right, I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go to LA. It's like, or you're going to go on a road trip or whatever. I don't know, but you just kind of go there. And if you don't end up at that exact place, it's okay. I guess that's, I don't even know if that's the right analogy because I just mean like, if you want to go somewhere, it's good to have a point of like, where are you going to go? But then I think it letting go of how you get there. And if you actually get there, because chances are what we think the goal is going to be is not going to be exactly what it is anyways. Yeah. It's always different. And being okay with that goal, maybe morphing into something else. Yeah, for sure. You know, it looks like, I'm just trying to like explain it in my own mind about how I think about it because you're totally right. It's like, if it's a set thing and you're like, if I don't make this thing, then I'm a failure. And it's like, well, what happens if we think of the goal as like just a thing out there, but however it turns into whatever it turns into, then that's okay. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like a different perspective on it. You made me think about, um, have you ever been to burning man? No, but I want to go. So I haven't been in many years, but um, I went several years in a row back in the early 2000s. And um, I had this friend who would go to Burning Man with me every year. And he would go there and he would like have a notebook and he would like make plans, right? Yeah. He would get so mad when like he would set up like, I'm going to meet this girl at uh, Esplanade and uh, five o'clock uh, at 6 p.m. to watch uh, Bass Nectar play and have dinner. And then, and then like she wouldn't be there and he would come back so bummed out and be like, fuck oh, God. And I'm dude, you're at Burning Man. Like you're the only person here with a notebook making a schedule. <laughs> like yeah. everybody else is doing what you're talking about, which yeah. is like show up and let life happen. And yeah. Intention, set an intention. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's a great analogy, like going on a trip, going to New York, like, you know, some people are planners though. They'll like try to plan the shit out of their life to the point where they feel let down by life constantly because it didn't show up in the same way that they expected it to. Dude, I experienced that so much when I traveled that those kind of people drove me crazy. Yeah. Because like, especially if you're backpacking Europe or somewhere like that, I get it. There's a certain amount of planning that needs to go into it, but there's also a certain amount of winging it that makes it fun. Like, yeah. Hey, I don't really know, you know, but I'm going to trust that 
however, if I'm showing up to just do my best every day and be nice to people and do what I can, that things are going to work out, yeah. you know, and I don't need to have everything planned out because having every single thing planned out is just, you're right. Setting things, setting your, your expectations up because if you don't do that thing, then you feel bad you feel like shit. And it's like, that's not the right idea. <laughs> like it's, you got to just let things flow. I think you're right. Have an intention and then allow the journey to unfold how it's meant to. Yeah. For right. Sure. For sure, brother. Mm. Yeah, dude, this, uh, I, these kind of conversations, I just, I love cause it just gets the mind expanded. <laughs> right. And <clears throat> especially going on right now, I mean, there's so much stuff happening and I, I, I want to get back to everything happened present day, but I want to kind of take things to the beginning here. And I kind of want to give, I, I want to dive in a little bit into your backstory. Okay. And I would love to hear, start wherever you feel is where you feel called to start and walk us through a bit of your journey, because I know that you've done some pretty cool shit and I want to tie that into like where red light of dawn came in okay. and, and all that. So yeah, walk us through that a little bit, brother. Okay. Um, born in 1972 in LA, grew up in Minnesota in the suburbs of St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's interesting. Uh, at five years old, I knew that my path in life was music. I just knew like, it was like so present in me. I wanted to be the Bee Gees. I wanted to be Michael Jackson. I wanted to be Prince. Like I just knew that my path was in music and um, that was an uphill battle mm. because, uh, I had a father that did not support my vision and my dreams. Um, so I spent a lot of my life swimming against that current, um, my, my youth. Um, when I was about five or six, my parents divorced, my mom remarried my stepdad, who's awesome. So I grew up with two fathers, um, Around that same time, my sister um, developed a genetic disease, a very rare disease. So she, I imagine like my parents were very young. So I picture my parents being divorced in their late 20s, having a daughter with a genetic disease where no doctors know what is going on with her. And I kind of got forgotten is how I felt in my youth. Like um, I kind of raised myself like emotionally and even financially in certain ways, other than a roof over my head and food. Like if I wanted anything, I financed a drum set when I was um, 12 years old. I was probably the only 12 year old with a credit score. Like I had a paper out, you know, bought a drum set with my own money, financed it, started buying a bunch of music gear. Anyway, I'll speed on a little bit through life. I think I was an asshole when I was young, you know, like I was very, closed off i was very uh survival like take care of myself and then when i was 18 i moved to fort lauderdale and um i discovered lsd and did my first lsd journey when i was 18 or maybe what year was this this would have been 1991 so um probably i had probably just turned 19 and that was the beginning of the awakening of me returning back to myself. Um, I feel like everything that we go through in life accumulates and becomes us. 
and but we also create all these stories right that we subscribe to and i created a bunch of stories through youth and then i felt like when i started doing psychedelics i was able to chip away at those stories and release the ones that didn't work for me and hold on to the virtues that did um so you know worked through a lot of trauma probably between uh 1991 and 1995 i think i did somewhere in the neighborhood of about 200 um lsd journeys wow and um it was amazing like florida that was like my florida time i lived in florida till 95 the whole time i was there i played music hung out at the beach worked as a manager of male strippers at a strip club that was pretty interesting um and um did a lot of psychedelics and just really started to learn about me and then i moved back to minneapolis briefly went from minneapolis to seattle ended it up in seattle on halloween of 1996 and um oh if you want to talk about red light of dawn that happened in florida so we could talk about that but um you could come back to that or i could keep going um, we'll, we'll, come back. we'll come back to that. Okay, sweet. So, um, Seattle, 96, my sister was here. I came here for music and, um, played in a bunch of bands, had a girlfriend. We moved to San Diego and then I ended up moving back to Seattle. Um, I had a friend who wanted me to come up to Seattle to sing in a band and he was having a party on the turn of the millennium. New Year's Eve, 1999. And um, so I came up and I sang with this band at this party. And that was a huge moment in turning because I went back to, um, to San Diego and a week later moved back to Seattle and came back here and started this band. And that was really a big beginning. In 2000, there was a big shift for me where I really s- stepped into my, my medicine and... Um, started writing a ton of songs and formed this band called new soul tribe. And we did a lot of really great things. We like opened up for Lenny Kravitz and pink and just did a lot of big things. And uh, ultimately that band ended up disbanding or we called it a permanent temporary hiatus (laughs) because we always (laughs) intended to get back together, but it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And ironically during right before COVID here, uh, we were going to do a reunion show, so we started to rehearse right before COVID, um, oh, 15 years after our last show, and um, then that you know got got halted because of COVID. Interesting, but um, but yeah, so uh, you know, uh, right as that band broke up, I met my wife, who is from Tanzania, East Africa. She was here in Seattle visiting a friend, and um, we ended up like she was just visiting and we ended up talking for a long time. That's a whole nother side story. That's pretty deep, but um, we knew that we wanted to have children together and all my friends thought I was fucking crazy. I was like, I'm going to have a baby with this girl, you know? And they're Mm. like, dude, you can't even pay rent. You're going to have a baby, you know? Mm. And um, so, yeah, we knew, and she ended up moving to Seattle in November of 2004 right after Thanksgiving. And then on January 5th of 2005, we found out that we were five weeks pregnant with our daughter. So that leads me into fatherhood. Um, Intentions are powerful, man. 
Yes, they are. <laughs> yes. And we know right where she was conceived. Um, she was conceived in a Volkswagen van in a parking lot of a courthouse in Southern Washington, where I had to drive down to pay a no insurance ticket that I got on the way back from Burning Man. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, my life was crazy back then. Like I had, I was very irresponsible and, um, you know, just really like looking back, I'm like, damn, like I really wasn't in like, uh, society's uh model of um being ready to be a parent but mm. i've never really lived in that box so we knew that it was time and um yeah so we we now have two kids and um we have a daughter who's about to be 15 and a son who's uh 12 and a half and yeah, it's deep, man. Like raising black kids in America today, right now, is a trip, and um, and raising kids in general is a trip, and it's beautiful and it's the most rewarding experience I could ever have. Um, but you know, something that happened with me when I was becoming a father is uh, I was playing music pretty much full time, and I refused the call. I got scared that I couldn't provide for a family being a musician. And I also made an intentional decision that I wanted to be present with my kids. I didn't want to be like a touring musician and be away. So I changed things up and I became a new thing, which was construction. And I started doing construction and built a business and have a successful general contracting business today, uh, which has gotten to the point where I can now put a lot of focus into my medicine and my dream. Um, but I was scared and I had a sleeping giant in me yeah. of, of my medicine. And about three years ago, it woke up. It was just like, wow, you gotta nurture me, you know? So, yeah. so I started recording a ton of music and that's where I'm at now is I'm just like really digging deep on a record, a solo record. And it's like the rec it's like the uh, memoir of my life. Will, mm -hmm. this record will be because it's songs that I wrote dating back to 1996 all the way to songs that I'm writing right now and um yeah I'm really excited about sharing that with the world dude it's amazing uh I can't even imagine those those times you look so young too bro I can't believe like <laughs> I'm like you're like talking about I mean I'm 36 what are you you're 47 jeez man you yeah. look like you're so you look like you're in your early 30s bro thanks brother appreciate it um man you so you've been through a lot so my question for you out of all of that is like what is the biggest struggle or challenge you faced during all that time that had the biggest that had the most impact on your life today the biggest struggle would be my own ego being attached to illusionary stories like I'm not good enough, you're afraid, be scared, who are you to shine? Mm. You know, those stories and knowing in my soul that I've come here to do big things and the battle between those two things and the ego winning that battle that has been my biggest struggle, but it's not winning anymore. I think that's a big struggle with everybody too, man. Yeah. Why doesn't anybody think they're enough? Why the fuck do we think that we're, we aren't enough? Like what, why is that? Like, is that, 
are was that the society created amongst us having to buy shit in order to see, fill that void and if you don't have it or not keeping up with the joneses then you're not somebody like is that I, it's it's fucked man i think that's a lot of it i think uh the way that school is designed right is very messed up um we don't learn we learn like all these things that are bullshit that don't matter yeah Yeah. it's like because school system was was made for factory workers right exactly you know to go memorize do this do that and then just kind of pump them out and and you're really ignoring all the the gifts of the kids man like yeah if you're not sure that environment may be great for some Mm -hmm. but if it's not you're just going to act up and you're going to do shit to, cause it just doesn't sit well. And yeah, man, I, I, yeah. What a, what a crazy system. And if you don't fit into that mold, then you have ADD or ADHD or you're a troublemaker or, mm. you know, and that's like, like yeah. one thing that's become very apparent during COVID fuck school. Like yeah. in Seattle, we get a couple days a winter of snow and if we have to miss school, if my kids have to miss school, they have to make it up at the end of the school year. And yeah, fuck that. That's gone. <laughs> that better not happen next year if there's school. Cause like we just missed three months of school, Yeah, you know? And it's what's become very apparent in these three months is that kids do not need to be in the classroom no. for 35 hours a week and then have two hours a night of homework. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I agree. I remember just hating school so much, Me too. but it, do, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it's, man, I don't have all the answers, but I mean, if I could think of, I, I would really think like double down on what these kids are interested in and really, and really just, you know, what do you like to do? Yeah. You know, what, what excites you? What like, Oh, I want to do this. Great. Let's, let's, let's do more of that. You know, at least, Hey, if you want to be an astronaut, awesome. You know, if that may not be the thing, but at least encourage you to do the things that are going to, you know, at least align with that. Right. Or at least like, okay, well, what do we need to do to get there? Well, you're going to, you're probably going to need to learn this and you learn this because if you want to get there and then who knows what's going to come from that, but at least you're doing things that align with what you want to do. Yeah. But I don't think there's enough of like, and if you're not that kind of student, if you're more of a people person and you're more of like, you know, there's, there's just, there should be different structures for different people. Yeah, man. Right. And like you know, it really. Yeah. hundred percent. Arts too. Arts is so important. Like music, it's not taken seriously enough. That's true. And it's getting cut more and more, you yeah. know, like a lot of schools are cutting all these uh, really important things like art and even physical education you know like Mm. gym like a lot of schools aren't having gym and like kids need to move man yeah i think a big problem is also that schools are funded by uh property tax in the neighborhood that they're in so if you get a school that's in a poor area then that school is not going to have the funding to be able to have any electives that are beneficial beyond like the uh, state or national required curriculum Mm -hmm. right and also school is just underfunded in general even in neighborhoods that have high property tax they're still underfunded and over uh 
they're filled with too many kids and understaffed. And I think a big problem is that just the way that our financial resources in America are allocated toward things like military or, um, you know, things of that nature above taking care of our people from mm -hmm. education to healthcare. And, you know, I think it, just our priorities are so fucked up. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah, that's, it's crazy because like being in Canada and you guys being so close, like we, even though it's different here, like we get all the same media and all the same. It's like we're living there, but we're not. It's really, it's a really bizarre situation. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's yeah. like we're, you know what I mean? And it's always been like that too. So it's like we're living in two countries when we're in Canada because it's, you know, like, it, and there's two different ways, but we're kind of in the same, right. It's hard to explain. Like it's, well, I mean, as an example, you're, um, you and me live like two and a half hours apart yeah. from each other, but yeah. we're in different countries. Completely different. And I can't even come to your country right now and you can't come to here, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, totally. It's crazy. It's, um, yeah, and, you know, just, just seeing how the whole system is designed as well as like going to college. And if you're not going to go to college and do this, then you're not, you're a failure. And, and what happens is that it's so expensive. It's not even, it's not even realistic for people. And yeah. then if it is, if you, if you do pay, then you're in debt and it's like, you need to get this education to get this job. Yeah. But you can't afford the education. So then you got to get a loan to get the education, to get the job, which you may not even be able to get. And then when you get the job, you're, you're ass deep in debt. Yeah. Like we're starting, does that make any sense? We're starting to see people for the first time in the past couple of years that are collecting social security and that check is being garnished for student loans. That's a real thing that's happening right wow. now. And I have a question for everybody that's listening to think on is how many baristas or grocery store clerks or people that are working in the service industry, do you know that have graduated from college? I know a lot, mm. you know, I, and yeah. that, they didn't go to college to be a, a, a grocery store clerk. No. Or a barista. They went to college for something else where they didn't end up getting that thing that they went to college for. Yeah. So I, in my opinion, it's a sham. Like I tell my own kids, like the only reason I would want you to go to college is if your dream requires it. Mm -hmm. so if your dream for your life is to be a doctor, well, you have to go to college because that's just the path. Yeah. You know, but if you want to be a photographer, like my daughter does, I'm like, well, wear your camera around your neck every day and start taking pictures and get really good at it now because that's school. Totally. You know? Totally. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I meant earlier too. It's like, if you want to be that thing, great, but here's the things you're going to need to do to get to that thing. And it yeah. feels better when you're doing something that aligns with your purpose, you For know, sure. like, like knowing like, okay, well this class, I want to go be a doctor. Well, okay. Well here, do, do you really want to be a doctor? Because here's what you need to do to become a doctor and the realistic look at it. And, and then, you know, maybe it's not what they really, they love the idea of being the doctor but maybe they don't have the habits to become the doctor because there's a lot yeah. of shit that can be done. 
And also maybe their values aren't in alignment with the vision of what they want to do. Maybe they really just want to help people, you know, and unfortunately a lot of doctors aren't helping people. Oh fuck. And they don't learn to help people. They learn to push big pharma's agenda and that's not really helping people. I mean, there's a lot of things like, you know, for me, I really want to help people. Yeah. So I went, I have two level two holistic lifestyle training through the Czech Institute with Paul Czech. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my level three, hopefully this year, if they open it back up, but I can help way more people by educating myself with modalities that I can then share with the world. Having the certification to me isn't as important as having the wisdom and the knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't necessarily need to have doctor in front of our name to be able to help people or even a certification to be able to help people. We just have to practice it in our own life to the point where we embody it Yeah, and then share it. Yeah. Be, be it first. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that are doctors that aren't really being the example either like this is what really really opened up a lot of things for me i learned a lot during this covid time about doctors and about there are so many people who are fucking lying and there's so many people you know there's truth and then if it's if it's against that then it's a conspiracy theorist and it's like well no this is it and it's getting shut down why is it getting shut down like what is going on here where is the truth like you guys are doctors yet i'm hearing all these different things yeah like that concerns yeah. me, bro. Yeah, bro. Like, that fucking concerns me. Yeah. Well, like anything, like, just like you could take police right now. Like when yeah. I talk about doctors like I just did, yeah, I'm not talking about all doctors. You know, just like when I say fuck the police, I'm not talking yeah. about all police. Yeah. Like fuck the police that are assholes. Totally. You know, we just have people that are, are closed-minded or assholes or are not doing the personal development work to become the best version of self that they can be. And mm-hmm. they could just happen to be a police officer or a doctor or fill in the blank. Like, yeah. you know, our profession doesn't define us. Our character does. Right. Oh yeah. Totally, man. And I'm glad you brought that up. Let's get into that because, you know, I have a soft spot for cops because I was going to be one when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So it's, but like to become a cop here, it is a decent process. It is challenging, but I also decided not to be one because I saw what you're signing up for. And I know that there's a lot of pieces of shit cops out there. Like I, that's, I'm fully, you know, but then there are decent ones. So you're right. It's, it's, it's a challenging situation because these guys, there needs to be more priority at putting these guys through these mental, like, personal development, man. Like if anybody needs to be switched on and, and high vibing and meditating and journaling, it's fucking law enforcement, man. For real. Like they, I can empathize with them because look, they're dealing with the scum of the earth. Most of the time they're dealing with hate. They're dealing with this shit. But at the same time, that doesn't give you an excuse for what to do, what they're doing certain ones. Right. So it's like, okay, well, what, how do we, how do we fix the problem? You know, it's like, yeah. well, like, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's, it's just such a, it's such a complex thing. And I'm like, man, like you guys need to be more responsible. You can't fucking act like that. Like, yeah. Well, again, it's a human 
it's a human issue. Yeah. You know, I think that there's just a lot of humans that are ill. Yeah. You know, with uh, bigotry, mm. with close-mindedness, with, you know, confirmation bias is a big one. Yeah. Cognitive bias, like people that I see it so much right now. I mean, I'll give you an example of something I just saw in the past couple of days is that I know there's a lot of uh, information out there right now in uh, like corporate news, Fox and things like that, that is showing Seattle right now as being this war zone, right? Mm. And I've actually had relatives, like one of my aunts called my sister and is just like, because my sister lives in Seattle too. And is like, are you guys okay out there? It's a war zone. I'm seeing it on the news. And we're like, she's like, it's not. Like, so Fox got busted basically putting out Photoshopped images of of Seattle and taking other cities and trying to make Seattle look like it's this war zone right now. And Trump, because basically to give a little backstory for those who don't know, there's an area in Seattle called Capitol Hill. It's like the really hip area of Seattle. And um, there's a police station there, the East Precinct. And there's been protests there for like going on three weeks now. And the police were throwing con concussion grenades and um, tear gas into the crowd, into peaceful crowds, like almost killed a woman. There was a, a bigot that drove into the crowd and shot a black man. I mean, there, there was some really bad stuff. Well, the protesters ended up occupying Capitol Hill and the police left and they boarded up their precinct. And now it's a police free zone. And now there's like thousands of people up there every day of all colors, super organized, uh, there's a guy named Roz who um, is like a hip hop artist in Seattle who is armed and him and his crew have taken over being security of Capitol Hill to keep people from hurting each other, to keep people from looting, from violence, from graffiti, from all these different things. Well, Trump basically put out a tweet calling this guy a, um, a warlord, a terrorist warlord. So there's all this information out there. And the reason I bring all this up is because of cognitive bias is that there's people that believe that because they see it on the news, but then they could actually talk to me or somebody in Seattle who lives here. And it's like, no, it's not like that. It's beautiful here. Like I've, I actually was there. I have pictures. I'll show you. They're taking like uh, Cal Anderson park, which is like a city park and they're ripping up all the grass everywhere and planting gardens. Like it's just, it's this beautiful, beautiful place where mm. people are living in harmony without the presence of police. And it feels really, really revolutionary. And I could tell somebody that and they're still like, no. Yeah. It's, I saw it on the news. It's a great point. <laughs> but so then let's ask ourselves like, where how are we forming our perspectives? Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because what do we really know is happening? We're so conditioned, right? Like we see these things and this is the thing with social media too. And I, I sit and think about this stuff, dude. I've been, I was going through like trying to figure out where my place is. Like we talked about this a bit and like feeling a lot of darkness, feeling a lot of like weight. And I'm like, you know, should I say something? Should I not? Because I want to learn. I want to, I want to really just you know, figure out like where I stand before I open my mouth. And then I asked myself, okay, like, where am I getting my information? 
like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I consuming? Right? Like I'm on my phone and certain things are popping up and I'm, I'm absorbing that and I'm seeing this and I go down these rabbit holes and I'm like, wait a minute, like what is actually happening? Like right. what is, you know, like the, this is the thing. It's like, this is prime example of what you're saying. Like people are thinking that it's something is happening in Seattle and yet it's not happening like that. And yeah. then, and then it can be that the opposite side too. It's like we're, it's a constant manipulation of our thoughts preying on our emotions. And, and it, it, at the end of the day, it's like, well, who do we, like, how do we get our information? Like, where is a trusted source that isn't yeah. biased? Like, honestly, like, I don't, I don't know. I think a trusted source would be trusted people that we trust that yeah. are on, on the ground, wherever, like we've been so conditioned to receive information through yeah. the media that it's like the easy route, right? It's like sit back and be told what's happening instead of like having critical thinking. Mm. And I'm, I mean, I'm as guilty of it as anybody of regurgitating information that I read somewhere and did not have firsthand experience of or talk to somebody that experienced it, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's a big illness, a big dis-ease within the minds of humans that we love to gossip and that's a form of gossip you receive information on the news or read it somewhere social media and then you if you repeat it you're gossiping unless you've experienced it unless i've experienced it i'm fucking gossiping about world politics or you know human issues and you wonder if that's what they really want us to be doing fuck yeah divide keep us fucking divided what can we do to fuck these guys up they're all coming together we got to figure out a way to fuck them up even more Yep. Yep. And I think that's where uh, oppression and inequality and racism, why they're still alive. Mm. Because there's so many people that are so uh, committed to division. Yeah. You know, over color or culture, over, um, mm. you know, uh, class, even. Let's dig into that. So, I had recently watched that, what is it, 13th it's called? Yeah. So I watched it a couple of years ago and I was blown away and I kind of forgot about it, you know, as we, yeah. again, like, fuck, you see something and it sort of gets brushed away and, you know, I'm just as guilty. And then watching that again and you realize the same shit is happening just in a different way. Like yeah. that's a really, really crazy yet true. I don't know if it's still, that was in 2016. I don't know the recent like how it's recently, but like some of the companies and how like that stuff is being kind of taken from out of sight to like in prisons, like the slavery side of things. Yeah. And it's, it's mind boggling, bro. Like it's, it really is. It's, it's like, what, what, yeah. like, this is these, this is happening. Do these companies actually know they're supporting this? Or are they that stupid or that ignorant or, you know what I mean? Then it, you start to question like, Hey, wait a minute. I shopped there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Vote with your dollar. Right. I mean, that's a big one. And, you know, I just saw this morning that, um, are you familiar with aunt Jemima? Yeah. Pancake mix and syrup and all that. They just announced they're changing their name and their bottle and they're getting rid of it because they just realized it's racist. And it's like, good job. But really you just realized it just now. So it's great. The change is happening, but mm-hmm. come on, man. Don't, 
don't lie while you're doing something good. Don't lie and say you, you're just realizing that this is racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and kinda there's like a lot the, of that. Kind of like how the NFL is stepping up now. And yeah. Like, oh, I hey, yeah. We, we really realize we fucked up. I hope we have a season because I can't wait to see how they handle it. Because you know that there's going to be a lot of players kneeling. Yeah. This, see, there's always, there's going to be some, this is great because there's going to be a lot of positive change, I think, from this. As much as it's a terrible situation, at least there's awareness to it now. Yeah, at least the conversations, at least people are talking about it, right? Yeah. It takes time, but at least the conversation is happening. Yeah. And there's actually micro changes happening everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's tough because going back to like talking about 13th, um, this country and this land, I should even say this land was founded on the genocide of the native people. Mm-hmm. And it was built on the slavery of Africans and Chinese and that Mexicans. fucking crazy? Like when you just actually step back and think about how fucking insane that is. Right. Like, you know, and it's not an original story. Either. No. I mean, that's been happening all over the it, world. It right? happened in Canada too, man. Our, yeah. It's the same thing. The, the natives here, we came in, everybody came from Europe. Fuck you. Get out of here. Like, it's our land now. Like what? How is that even a thing? Like, yeah. Yeah. I just actually speaking to Canada, I, I just saw some story recently of a tribe that's being pushed out right now. Um, that was just like, I can't believe this is still happening. Yeah, man. It's still, they're still forcing tribes off of their own land, which they've already whittled down to a reservation, which it used to be all their land. And they put them on a smaller piece of land. And then that land happens to have resources on it. So now they want to take them off of it again because they're, they want to build a pipeline through there, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't end. And it doesn't seem to evolve on certain levels because there's this type of people that, are from the greedy capitalistic mindset of that money matters more than anything. And as long as that's the case, we're going to have these type of people. But I think what we're seeing happen right now is we're starting to see the tides turn and shift. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the amount of people that are coming together. Yeah. Saying enough is enough. Well, it takes the conversations. It takes this. You put enough of those out in the world, energy starts to change. People start to change. People start to think different. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to self. You know, what, like in ourselves, like our love for ourselves, the conversations we have, the love, being mindful of any racial jokes we've all been part of. It's Mm -hmm. like, those are the small changes that you can make. Because I was thinking, I was like, how can I make a change? Well, you know, I could really, you know, figure out for myself, like, where am I? What can I do on a daily basis to like really be mindful of this stuff, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's that. And if everybody focused on their kind of inner circle and sort of making sure that we're aware of this, I mean, that's compounded. That's going to be the big change, right? That's right. And you just said something that moves me to talk about something that I've noticed a lot of lately in like the mindfulness communities, Mm -hmm and the people that are doing personal development work Mm. in these times i've been seeing through social media and even firsthand hearing people um that i'm friends with 
or colleagues with, you know, or just connected to through these like spiritual containers saying things like, I'm just going to work on myself and focus on my own heart, healing my own heart. And I'm going to hold space. Like that's one of the ones that just drives me nuts is I'm going to hold space for them, you know, and man, my feeling on all that is like, those are things that we should all be doing every day anyway. Right now, in these times, there's a call to action to do more than that. Mm-hmm. There's a call to action to be a true ally and to stand up, be a voice. You know, use our white privilege to be a voice because we have a privilege that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And if we truly are allies and truly are in solidarity with all people, with humankind, then it's time to stand up for our black brothers and sisters right now and start doing the things like you're doing, calling out the micro racisms that we see in our little circles, you know, in our, in our small groups online, in our families. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's, yeah. And for me, I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people of color, you know, and been friends, grew up with a lot. And for me, I was, I, I love show, like, that's what I'm like. I wanted to showcase whoever I've interviewed because they're all, they're all amazing, you know? And it's like, what can I do as far as this has been a really difficult thing for me. And I'm happy we're talking about it because it's the first time I've really talked about it. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've struggled with what, what, what should I do? You know, what should I be speaking more? Or should I be um, you know, so I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to highlight who I've spoken to, who I've done, the work that I've done, have the conversation and really just educate myself. And it's, yeah, man, like you're, you're, you're right. There, there's more that we need to do. I just think everybody has a different, not everybody's going to have the same role. I think, totally. I think it's, Fuck, I don't have the answers. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Bro. And you know, it's it really is time for white folks to just not talk yeah. to and listen and learn. Yeah, man. And go within ourselves and heal and look at all of our own micro racisms that have been conditioned into us by society. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not uh disagreeing when people say I'm gonna go within my heart and heal and hold space. I think those are important things to do. However, it's also time and there's a place for everybody like um some people aren't into going to protests and that's totally cool don't go to protests some people don't want to talk about it on social media some people don't even want to like voice it out into the world but you can still pick up the phone you know and call your local police departments and mayors and senators and governors and Mm. city council and department of justice there's so many things that we can do you know, even if it was like 10 minutes a day or signing petitions, like everybody has a role and, you know, some people's roles might be frontline occupation at a protest full time. And some people might just pick up the phone once or twice a week and make a phone call or sign a petition. But underneath all that, the most important thing is that we're doing the personal work and starting to hold self and people around us accountable when we see like micro racisms and things of that nature. Totally. You know, I had Keith Shockley from public enemy on the show. Nice. Uh, it just came out the other day and 
Dude, he was talking about, I mean, he grew up in New York and he was one of the, you know, through the hardest times, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I've been dealing with this since the day I was born. Yeah. And he was just such a powerhouse, just explaining like what it was like. And, you know, just with Public Enemy and, 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 and the hip hop groups back then and the pushback that, you know, they had and, and how he was from, he, he grew up in, 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 on Long Island, or yeah, in Long Island, but he was part of like, I think he went to school as a private school with mm-hmm. a bunch of the, in the white community, but then lived in, in the color community. It was like two different worlds he was talking about. It's super interesting because he had the perspective of both, but like, man, he was just talking about just the craziness and just, and it was, it's a real eye opener for me, you know, to hear these stories. And, 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 and I think the more we can hear these and the more we can really have that awareness is, is, is just such a powerful thing. And I'm, I'm grateful for it, you know? Yeah, brother. Yeah, you know? for sure. It's time to learn, you know, and, and to really understand that it's not new. If mm-hmm. it's new to um, some white folks are just waking up to it, great. Mm-hmm. But in that awakening, understand that this is not new. This has been happening for hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, and we're just living in a, a system that was designed around the oppression and inequality of people of color. Hmm. You know, but systems can change. Systems can change, man. They can. What do you, um, what's on your nightstand for books these days? Like, what are you, what are you reading right now? Um, <laughs> I know I, we get a ton given to us, but what yeah, right I just got, let me see. I uh, I just got and King warrior reading. magician lover. Yeah. I just started I just, reading. That. I just got it yesterday or two days ago too. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then what's the other one? Um, that Show I got everybody that King. Yeah. Everybody when this is on YouTube at some point. Hell yeah. I just started cracking into that one. Um, recommended by Kyle Kingsbury. Yeah. And then the other one that he recommended that I haven't cracked into yet, but just showed up in the mail yesterday is, uh, God, what's the name of it? Shake my brain. Uh, um, well, there's one that I remember him, essentialism for sure, but more there's the other the quantum spirit or something. Sacred contracts. Sacred contracts. That's oh, the There's one. so many. This is another thing that can get overwhelming is the amount of books. Dude. And then I'm like, fuck, I won't read any. <laughs> <laughs> the the living library as uh as paul check and like kyle kingsbury talk about you know yeah. is uh and i think that's actually um where did that come from originally i think that actually came from uh i forget but anyway living library like it's okay not to read a book beginning to end like yeah it's always there and i love that they said that because that i always feel again i feel down if i'm like Shit, I don't feel like reading this right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, you, you're useless. Why can't you read that book? Like, what's your fucking <laughs> problem? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> well, you know that feeling too where you like, I will have resistance and be like, I'm, I just don't feel like reading. But if I pick it up and start reading, then I feel better. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I read. It's like working out. It's like, I don't want to fucking work out right now. Totally. And I work out and just feel great. It's also really good to start your day with too, because like it, it, it really sets you up to stay focused. I've yeah. tested the two. Meditation, journaling, and reading, man, those three, whoo, and then some physical exercise, your day, you got, you own the day. 
Yeah, brother. Like it's like you got the day's your bitch for sure. That's what's up. If you take care of all those things in the morning before you leave the house, like I have this like theory of like, I work on myself for like the first two hours of the day before I go out into the world, you know, before the world can eat me up, you know, Mm -hmm. and I mix with other vibrations and energies like, you know, prime myself, you know, through meditation, movement, breath work, journaling, some good food, some time with my family, play a little music, and then I'm out in the world. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I can do anything now. You know, the only thing missing from that, I feel like right now is um, I used to go paddle boarding every morning. And I remember like being out on Lake Union in Seattle and seeing like I-5 has a huge bridge over Lake Union and you can just see morning rush hour. And I'd be out there at like 6 a.m. paddling. And I would just be like looking up at the cars, just being like, yeah, you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers like are going to work. And I'm like here, you know, (laughs) you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, that's, you know, I don't really feel that way, but you know, that feeling where, where like, you know, that you're living life when you could be in the rat race, Mm. you know? Um, So yeah, I miss that feeling. I miss being on the water. Mm. Yeah. But it's still June in Seattle. Yeah. June in Seattle is like gloomy. It's probably like that in Vancouver too. Huh? It's a kind of gloomy. Yeah, and... I mean today I think we got the first first bit of sun in in a, in a while. It's yeah, been, you know, pretty much the same. Um, yeah, I mean I'm hoping things will things will heat up. The good thing about it is the positive side about the rain at this time of year means less fires. True, right? Because if things heat up in June, there's always fires up here in August somewhere. And yeah brutal so i'm like all right rain through june as long as we can have a nice july and august and september without fucking forest fires man like the air quality really sucks when it happens and obviously it's terrible to have forest fires right yeah Um, but terrible for humans but good for the earth (laughs) oh yeah true (laughs) true 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 yeah that's a good point but yeah like so it's kind of like that that's the positive side of it not being too hot right now but what about uh are you going to Austin? I'm not going to Austin. Yeah, I'm not um, either. I think I made the call. I can't go. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to Tahoe either. Speaking on our fit for service stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm, I've stepped down for uh trimester two here mm. um, to focus on some other things. I'm, I'm getting, trying to finish my record and um, I'm getting certified with Anahata Ananda for a shamanjelic breathwork training. Whoa. So I'll be in Sedona for like eight days next week. And then I do that again, the beginning of August. So, Whoa. That's yeah. Dope, so I'm I super excited. On. I heard she's amazing. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I've, I've seen her pop up so many times. I need to like go and look at her work. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw that class come on, like I did last uh, September in Sedona with fit for service, we did um, shamanic breath work ceremony and it was one of the biggest releases that i've ever experienced of like suppressed emotion and trauma coming out of me um to where as soon as i found out that she's training how to do that and other modalities that she practices that i was just sold do you have a resource that we can selfishly that i can look at this exact thing that you're talking about does she have like a like a video of it or because I need to get, you know, into this. If, if you go to Instagram and follow her, 
yeah. Anahata Ananda. Um, I'm pretty sure that you can probably get a little taste of what she does, but I think I know that a lot of people are holding like breathwork ceremonies and things on. What's the difference? Let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. Shamanic versus like what you know what Aubrey did for our like what's the holistic or or holotropic like it's a it's difference a, between all that stuff man it's like a form of that i think i was not part of that uh ceremony with aubrey so i can't speak on exactly okay. what he did in comparison to what i experienced with her but i'll tell you what i did with her was um you lay on your back and you breathe all mouth breathing and you breathe into your lower abdomen and you breathe really deep and fast so it's like holotropic breathing where you're like like wim hof <sighs> like wim hof style kind of Wim Hof, like Wim Hof to me is a little mellower. Like Wim Hof will be like, (sighs) yeah, quick breaths (sighs) where this is like way deeper, way more uh, Kundalini hyperventilating energy. And like the, uh, the like image that I get when I do it is like stirring up the dirt in the bottom of the glass of water to where you bring in the dirt to the surface, you know? Uh, Okay. Um, Awesome. So, and the people that were, holding the ceremony Anahata and her crew and then Kyle and Aubrey were also part of it. Um, they would just intuitively go around and just like really hold space for people and like put their hands on people if they felt called to and like spoon people and cuddle them or turn people onto their side and stroke their hair, you know, just like helping people through their own journey. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I feel like, uh, like inexperienced to be speaking on it right now. I'll probably have a lot more to, to say after um, I finish the training. Yeah, for um, sure. But I'm really excited to go through that and pull that in and mix that. Like my grand master dream vision is taking my Czech practitioner work, mixing it with the Anahata um, Shamanjelic certification and using music as my vehicle to carry that vibration mm. through the world. Amazing. so yeah it's amazing dude now there's one little area i want to i want to talk about before we look at wrapping this up yeah and that's i want to tie together lsd and red light of dawn okay do they work together i have yeah. a hunch that they do walk us through i want to what is okay if you had to sum up what lsd has done for you in a in a sentence what would it be and I'll just let you kind of take it from there as far as like how, cause oh, I've never, I've never done it. Okay. A lot of people that probably haven't and you've done yeah. it. So I'm really curious to like really unpack it for us. Awakening to one's interconnectedness to earth, spirit, universe, um, discovery of self. That's what it has done for me. And I don't even want to just speak on just LSD. Just psychedelics in general have done that for me. And I actually don't really dabble too much with psychedelics anymore. I do some microdosing of psilocybin, but um, LSD, I don't really feel called to. I feel like I spent a, my time with LSD. Mm. Uh, but where Red Light of Dawn ties in with all of that, that actually came through peyote. And I was living in Fort Lauderdale and I met a woman who 
referred to herself as an Akashic record reader. And she also was a Seminole tribeswoman from the Seminole Indian tribe in South Florida. And um, I had the opportunity to experience doing peyote and do sweat lodge ceremony and, you know, just experience some of the tribal culture. And I had a vision while this woman was like facilitating a meditation with me where I was, it's hard to put into words, but I was seeing exactly the things that she was speaking. And I was seeing myself as red light of dawn. And she brought the words to it. And the intention of red light of dawn is like a spirit name, like having the ability to see the new in everything, having the ability to have a fresh perspective always. And that's definitely a medicine that I've carried my whole life. Um, even when I wasn't quote unquote awake, uh, just having that ability to be like, okay, now what, now what that happened? Okay. What, what are we going to do about it? You know? And like, let's see in the optimistic side, glass half full, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, so she gave me the name red light of dawn in the way that a spirit woman, medicine woman would, uh, what would be the right word? Like adorn me with a name. And, um, I was very hesitant to use it for quite some time. I didn't use it at all. This was probably in 1993 and I didn't use it at all when I lived in Florida. Um, when I moved to Seattle, it was like a moment where I felt this call like to step into that medicine, step into that name. So I started referring to myself as Chad Red Light of Dawn. And then all my friends started calling me Brother Red Light. And that still sticks today. A lot of my friends call me Brother Red Light um, or Red Light or, you know, Chad. You know, they're all just word symbols. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where that came from. And um, cool, man. so that's what I, you know, do like music under is Red Light of Dawn. Mm. and uh, to me, it's like a, a spirit name is something to always aspire to step into and become more of. Um, and it's not that I don't respect my birth given name or my ancestry. Um, my birth given last name is Pavkovich, which is my grandfather was from Croatia. It's a name that he, you know, um, he, it's a family name and, and it's beautiful. I'm never going to like legally change my name, but. I identify a lot more with red light of dawn than I do with my birth name for sure. So very yeah. cool. Yeah, man. Very cool, brother. Well, where can everybody check you out and, and learn more about you and follow your journey? I'd say for now on Instagram as red light of dawn and um, red light of dawn.com is under construction right now. So you won't find anything there, but that is soon to be launched. Also, I'm launching a podcast this year called Dip Yo Cup, Y-O Cup, D-I-P-Y-O-C-U-P.com. That website will be up and running too by fall, I'm hoping. so. But right now, the IG, that's where to find cool. me. I'm not a big social media guy, so uh, that's, I kind of keep it down to just that one place. Awesome. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes just so that when, when it is up and people listen to this down the road, that they'll be able to have the websites and all that. So don't worry, we'll have it all in there clear. Appreciate um, one last question, as I always use to wrap up everything. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Perspective 
is an illusion. And when we step back, take a breath, go within, that we have the answers within us to overcome. That was, that was deep, bro. That was awesome. Nice. <laughs> I just came to you. And I, I, just, <laughs> I kind of blacked out. I think it's, no, it's fine. <laughs> that was great, dude. Um, I always, you know, every single time I ask that, it's always a different answer. Yeah. I could put together a book, which I, I had been thinking of doing all the times, like, you know, 215 episodes of like the quotes, different. It's never yeah. been the same quote, bro. It's That's never so awesome. been the same. It's just such an amazing thing to hear and how everybody's perspective on adversity is. And it's, uh, yeah, man, it's definitely helped me. And just having this conversation, bro, just, I, I had such a great time. I really appreciate it, dude. Oh, likewise, brother. Thank you so much for having me. And I love you, brother. And uh, as soon as these borders open up, fit for service or not, we got to make sure we get some quality hang time together. Absolutely, man. We're so close. We got to do it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, bro. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to uh, leave us a review if you can. If you got value from this, share it in a story, share with a friend, whatever you can do. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on Apple. It's free to subscribe. And that way you get, you're on top of all the episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Love you guys. Have an amazing day. Catch you next time.